Welcome to another episode of Thought Bubble with Jay. This is Jessie, and for today's episode, I am starting out a new series. It's called Women in Motion, and that is in line with the celebration of International Women's Day. And I figure that it would be good to invite women from different backgrounds and from different locations all over the globe to share their stories that are powerful, encouraging, and inspiring. I believe their stories will be a catalyst or fuel for you to dig deeper into what is the role that we play as women in the society that will allow us to change the narrative to affect change, especially in this dark era that we are all in. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Sunday Sala here at Thought Bubble with Jay. My name is Jesse, and today we're going to be talking about a topic that I think a lot of you, well, us have been doing on a typical day and study shows that we make 35,000 decisions and that's backed up by a study done by Cornell University and with just food alone we make decisions of about 226 can you imagine that so for today's episode and this is in regard to the topic of women in motion we're going to be talking with a very special woman uh, a friend of mine she's been on the show uh, if you remember when we talked about book recommendation during quarantine if you're in lockdown and a lot of people listen to that episode because she shared some of the most wonderful wisdom and golden nuggets about what books you can read when you are in lockdown so for today we're going to be talking about decisions or at least the art of making decisions and i know this is a broad topic but we're going to try to narrow it down and look at the art of making decisions and how women in general make those specific decisions so without further ado let's welcome to the show angeline salvador Hi. Hi, welcome back. Welcome back to me. (laughs) (laughs) So decisions, what have you been doing lately? I know the last time that we, that you were on the show, um, you were studying Mm -hmm. uh, writing. So Mm -hmm. can you tell us what you've been doing? uh, What's keeping you preoccupied during this pandemic? That's a, (laughs) (laughs) I I have been doing a lot of, different things um so with with work it's really a busy period um because as you know like given the situation um because i work uh on on it on event side of things mm-hmm. so we've transitioned everything virtually so it's really time demand uh, it's really the demand- so so demanding of time mm-hmm. um with work and outside work um a lot of interesting stuff as well so you mentioned <laughs> writing so yeah i'm working on a piece uh that i need to submit for um just because I, I'm, I'm applying for a formal education um at a school uh for, for an online study so i've been getting my head around like finishing that portfolio that, that, that I need to submit so but okay that's I'm just gonna um highlight that last time you were here we talked you were talking we were you we were talking about books right mm-hmm. so does this mean that we're going to be looking forward or keeping our eyes peeled for your book that's, sometime I soon? Think that's the dream yes um okay yeah <laughs> 
And, I, I'm also looking forward to writing one. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be a good one, Talene. So, writing. Mm. Okay, I'm going to tap into that because we're talking about decisions, right? And you made a decision to go back to school with you working. Mm-hmm. How did you go about making that decision? I think it's the, you know, if I look back, and really drill down to the specific of why I decided to go back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, it feels like it's so random. Uh, like mm-hmm. I was running one evening and then suddenly I just thought about, like I just thought about the things that I used to do a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And I so reading is one. And then I think, writing is something that I've been wanting to do for such a long time but I just didn't have the opportunity to um like to take a formal education that will like hone my skills on writing so with work I Mm -hmm. do write a lot uh but it's really more on technical writing I want to do something more creative um Mm -hmm. and yeah so 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 that that night when I was running um I just had that random idea what if what if I try? What if I, I, I yeah. start looking online to see if mm-hmm. there is any opportunity that I mm-hmm. can do it while I'm working? And so I did. I did search for courses that I can take in an online environment uh, that would allow me to do both, like do work and do mm-hmm. study as well. So yeah, it really, there's no, I would say that there's no logical pattern. It's 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 really random that I've, that I thought mm. about it and then I just started researching um, I, I started looking at possibilities of doing it and, and things like that so and, and, and now I'm here so <laughs> I think it worked <laughs> and now you're here about to mm. write your next or the next New York bestseller Talene <laughs> <I would say. laughs> um, you, you touched on how you made that decision so mm. if you are to put you, you said that it was more of like a random Mm-hmm. I asked because I, I was reading this article online and I know I'm just reminded of the decision making when I was researching for the topic. There was this article about Charles Darwin mm-hmm. and it's interesting because um, when he was about, I think he was 28 at that time, he had to make a very difficult decision. Oh, sorry, 29 and mm-hmm. he was single. So uh, he had returned from his voyage and then he was thinking whether or considering whether he will propose to mm. his cousin um it was just an interesting story because I, I i was thinking that if he had made the decision to be married would he have written the the you know the, 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 of, of uh, yeah, the origin of species <laughs> mm-hmm. so he what's interesting is that when he was making that decision he made two lists mm. one is um you know loss of when he was thinking about marrying marriage per se he was he wrote down loss of time perhaps quarreling cannot read in the evenings anxiety Mm -hmm. and responsibility and then on the other side of the list is that children you know Mm -hmm. constant companions so someone to take care of the house to take care of him so it was like two Probably in our, in in modern day, we would consider that pros and cons. Mm. So, have you ever done that in in when when you make decision, like a process that you do? Because you said it it was random when you made the decision to to go back to school and study writing. Mm-hmm. 
But have you ever done that? Or is that how you typically decide? Or just like Charles Darwin, you do <laughs> this two list of... Well, it's of, in, 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 interesting you said that. Because if you look at, you know, this highly intellectual people, um, hmm. they are, I think they're, they're, they're a good example of how decision-making is defined scientifically. Because, um, mm, okay. uh, well, if you look at the science of decision-making, it has a process. Like, it goes from um, like you researching on facts you mentioned earlier about pros and cons. So mm-hmm. the way I would typically decide is is not based on random thoughts, I would say, in general. Mm. So at first, it's it's very highly dependent on what I'm making the decision for. Um, but to me, the common denominator is that I evaluate a lot. <laughs> like, a <Okay>. lot. <laughs> so <laughs> on, on one hand, I like weighing, as you said earlier, pros and cons and playing mm-hmm. with what-ifs. On the other mm-hmm. hand, I listen to my instinct telling me. Okay. I, I listen to what my instinct is telling me and like delve deeper into what my options are. Okay. Um, which means that it can take time for me to decide on one thing. But of course, as I said earlier, it's it's very much dependent on what I'm deciding for. If it's something that's big, mm-hmm. if it's something that will cause me to trans- transition from one place to another, then it's not a decision that I make overnight. But yeah, because I think there are different levels of decisions that we make mm-hmm. every day so earlier you said about that study like it's it's fascinating to see how many decisions decisions we make, they make yeah. on average every mm-hmm. day so yeah. if you if you apply this process of evaluating a lot for each and every decision you make i think <laughs> you would a have a lifetime <laughs> yeah um so i think there are simple decisions that you make every day like um when when you wake up like do you what do you do first? And and sometimes mm-hmm. you go autopilot with those kind of things that mm-hmm. you have, like you have a framework in your brain already telling you what works best. And then mm-hmm. it's almost like you're not thinking already of what to do first and what's next. Oh, okay. So those that are the things that's really mm-hmm. simple, that, that doesn't entail a lot of thinking, a lot of mm-hmm. cognitive processing. Mm-hmm. But then there there is that other side of like a more complex decision where you have to really think about or think through a lot. And I think this is what we'll be talking more about because I think with simple decisions, those are things that we, I I say in general, we won't normally struggle with because Mm -hmm. those are the things that, if you like, we are more experienced and we know likely what's the outcome. What's the outcome? What what, what is Mm -hmm. the outcome going to be? So, so yeah, I think, if if we look at it, there are. It's not scientifically proven that there are two types of decisions, but <laughs> um, I think personally we can look at it that way. There are those decisions that simple. You know already what's the outcome if you do this or you do that. But then there's also that other side that it's more complex. So with more complex decision, I evaluate a lot. I would say that's mm-hmm. how I would typically decide. Mm-hmm. I look at every possible angle. And um, there's there's also that call a friend, call a husband, call call, call the husband, <laughs> a call yeah. the family hotline. Mm-hmm. Like you have to yeah. also sense check mm-hmm. if the decision would make sense, what they think, mm-hmm. or yeah, things like that. I, I'm glad that you brought up the fact that there are 
those different types of, types of decisions, right? Mm-hmm. We yeah, I mentioned earlier. Imagine thirty five thousand decisions, and if mm. if we are to put that process in place of evaluating every single decision, like what you said, it's going to take a lifetime. Mm-hmm. But I I also read this um this article that sometimes you know. The one of the paradoxes of life is that sometimes our big decisions are often less calculated than our small ones. And mm-hmm. an example would be, let's say we we agonize on what to stream or what you know what movie to watch, what show to to watch. But sometimes making the decision to jump and move to let's say a new place or um, you know could be for others to just be a few bottles of wine or beer. Mm-hmm. I mean it's it's not again it's not backed up by by science but there are those people who would jump into making decisions um in a jiffy while others even buying like say a bag or any gadget mm-hmm. will take weeks of research comparing features. So well, yeah, that some there are decisions that are sometimes autopilot. I think that's very mm-hmm. true. Um, what, what I was listening to, I was thinking, oh yeah, because when you, from the moment that you wake up, you make a decision. What would be the first thing that you're gonna do? Are you gonna mm-hmm. um, do journal? Are you gonna grab your phone? So there are, mm-hmm. but there are things that are sort of autopilot. So you mentioned mm-hmm. about process of making decisions and. I know when we're discussing this offline, you mentioned something about reverse engineering and being reactive. So mm-hmm. let, let's start off with reverse engineering. What is your take on that when it comes to a process, it being a process of decision making? Reverse engineering is is more common to me when, when uh-huh. making decisions. So I I said I also said earlier that I like playing with what ifs. Yeah, yeah, what if? So. Um, you know, normally when you are confronted with a scenario that you make a decision on, that you need to make a decision on, mm-hmm. sometimes it's easier when you only can you when you have to choose between two options only. But mm. as as you have more options presented to you, the more it becomes complicated. Okay. And I guess talking about this reverse engineering approach, because there are a lot of different ways that you that you have to identify. Like, let's say if you if you go for option A, then Mm. what's going to happen? How is that going to impact my current state? Um, What would it mean short term, medium to long term, things like that? Imagine if you have five choices. So it means that you have to play around with what five different five different scenarios. But I think there's there's that advantage of doing reverse engineering because I think in in life in general we have we always have that desired outcome Mm -hmm. like who we want to be in five years time, Mm -hmm. where we want to be in X number of years, and things like that. So we have that desired outcome, Mm -hmm. but we also have an an actual state, right? Yes. So, and then there, there's a gap. So between where you are right now and where you want to be or your desired um, desired dream or whatever you call that, mm-hmm. there's a gap in between. So by doing reverse engineering, for me, that would help you bridge the gap. Because mm-hmm. if you know where you're going, if you know what you want to be, then you look at where you are and then you you play around like okay this is this is the gap that i have but that i think i have mm-hmm. um 
that that I need to that I need to resolve or I need to bridge in order to get to where I want. But the, the takeaway from from that from what you just said, Deline, is that your life choices aren't ju- just about what you want to do. So let's say the decisions that you're trying to make. They're not just about what you want to do, but they are also about who you want to be. Like what you said earlier, that you have to look with reverse engineering, right? You have to look at where you are right now, where you want to be, and then there is a mm-hmm. gap. So you try to bridge or to make a decision mm-hmm. that would bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so that is reverse engineering for you. Now, let's look mm-hmm. at the other the other um, process of decision making, and that is reactive. Mm-hmm. What is your take on that? Yeah, so reactive, I think, including myself, this is something that we do a lot in common. So we react based on what is being presented to us. You know, in an ideal world, you would want to have enough time for you to make a final decision. But there are situations that calls for immediate attention. Uh, and then there's also that different levels of urgency. So, you know, I, I just remember remember there's this concept in psychology mm-hmm. that's called fight or flight response. Okay. So I'm not sure if you've yeah. heard of mm-hmm. it, but um, but yeah, in a nutshell, it refers to when our brain automatically respond or react to an event mm-hmm. that is perceived as stressful. Right. Or um, or harmful. So we when we are presented with a dilemma or choices that we need to pick from, sometimes our brain will automatically scour or will automatically evaluate. Okay, what's harmful mm-hmm. for me? And then you will just drop those choices yep. and you go with what's more safe. So I think reactive. This is to me, it's more risky mm-hmm. because. When your when your decision is very much based on emotions, mm-hmm. very much based on one factor, yeah. then it, it's so tricky and, and it's so risky because, like you know, there's this saying that when you're when you're is it when you're angry, then it's not the best mm-hmm. time to make a decision. So, um, so yeah, because if if you if you decide based on a single emotion. What if that emotion goes away after? Yeah, then okay. Would you? Yeah, right. Would you regret? Mm-hmm. Would Would you be able to 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 stand up for for that decision that you mm-hmm. made? And it's almost like because you've made that decision already, you just have to to deal with it. We were talking about earlier. You mentioned about um, when we decide. It's not just it's not just deciding for the situation, but also considering who you are as a person mm-hmm. because I think the decisions that we make is a building block. It's it's a building block to to who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, our we are a product of the decisions yeah. that we've made mm-hmm. in the past and we are about to make. So there there's that whole lot of of complexity. <laughs> With um thank you Talim. With reactive um I you mentioned about you know sometimes the the, the fight or flight mode um, when it comes to making decisions. Um, I like the thought of being reactive in situations that are stressful, wherein it requires you to make immediate decision. And I think that's another part. Mm-hmm. Was let's say, of course, when someone um, met an accident, of course, what will be your initial what will be your initial decision, right? That that you're going to make. It's mm-hmm. of course to call let's say an ambulance or whatnot. But there are certain decisions that you become reactive 
out of the emotions uh, that you have at present and that's that what you said that's a bit tricky because what if that emotion or that feeling um passed then you start to make logical assessment whether that was the right decision or not so Mm -hmm. if you are to choose between two or if there is really you know if if you are forced to make a decision whether reverse engineering or reactive or if there are other processes mm-hmm. involved in decision making what will be your choice and that's a decision that i'm um, asking you to make is <laughs> this an exercise yeah. um so to me as i i, I mentioned earlier that I'm, I'm a big fan of reverse mm-hmm. engineering because i evaluate yeah. a lot so um but you know there's also that on the flip mm-hmm. side with reverse engineering, then I think the the chances of you blaming yourself oh, okay. is high uh-huh. because you go like you've you've already played the water. Mm-hmm. You've you've chosen this over the other. And it's not a decision that you made instantly. Yeah. You spent time on it and mm-hmm. things like that. And if it doesn't go the way you em- envisioned it, mm-hmm. then there's that there's that high possibility of you blaming yourself or blaming others mm. who you who you could who could have helped you or who could have given a better advice Played well things like that yeah. so i think that, yeah so there's that other side mm-hmm. of it but um if if we look at it from a process perspective um mm-hmm. alone then to me reverse engineering is a more it's logical way of decision making and i think because decision making in, by definition, it's it's a cognitive mm-hmm. process, and the way our brain works, our brain works um, using associate association approach mm-hmm. a lot. So um, we were talking about we were talking earlier about there are decisions that you make almost instantly, yeah. like you go on pilot mm-hmm. because you know uh, what to do already. Mm-hmm. So. It's actually more on our brain is able to associate outcomes with actions. Outcomes with actions. Okay. So you know that you know that you're not supposed to wake up at ten because you're supposed to work at nine. <laughs> okay. So the, the, yeah. the, the, those simple mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, you don't think about yeah. it before going to bed, yeah. right? But those are things that's all automatic because your brain knows already. Mm-hmm what the outcome, what the expected outcome should be. And it just kind of like dictate uh, your entire physiological system of what needs to, to happen mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. to um, to achieve that outcome that, that, that you need to do. So I heard this from someone that there are no bad decisions, just bad decision makers. That person said that you would rather that there's you know there's this type of person who avoids making a decision and holds back until it's too late for to, to do anything, and then there's another person who dives into making a decision without thinking things through, only mm-hmm. to feel the consequence of it later. So, what is your take about that that specific notion that it, there are no bad decisions, just bad decision makers, in conjunction with what you said about reverse engineering and take in that decision making is a cognitive um, process you know it's interesting to hear that because I think for me it's the exact opposite Mm -hmm. 
So you're, although I said earlier that we are a product of the decisions that we made mm. in the past, um, because like we live in a world of cause and effect. So obviously, what you do will have an implication yeah. of where you would be or what's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. But to say that um, there's no bad decisions, just bad decision makers. I, yeah, I, I said, it, I, I think for me, it's the, it's the exact opposite because if, if, you, look at, if you look at failure, because I think you would, you would only call a decision bad if, if it, it fails. It fails, right. right? Yeah. If it goes well, then you wouldn't necessarily say that it's a bad decision. Mm. Um, so when you fail, it doesn't make you a failure, right? Yeah. It just means that what you did or the strategy that you pick failed. Mm. It doesn't make you a failure unless you embrace the the, the, the impact of uh, the embrace the effect. So mm. so yeah, to me, of course we have different perspectives, but but to me the way I, I treat I treat bad decisions is that well what can I learn from it? How do I move on from this? Mm-hmm. Um, because if you let that bad decision define you, then it's not gonna be, it's not it's not gonna be a good ending. Mm. It will always haunt you. Like that bad decision will always haunt you, and it's not a very nice feeling. <laughs> right. Um, I'm glad you brought that up, Belene, because I was about to ask the different factors that contribute to one's decision making process, and I think we've dabbled on some of those. All mm-hmm. earlier but you talked about failure and we had this conversation before and you mentioned something that really struck me and it's the failure always hides in the shadow of your decision making so the question would be will it be will it be a ghost that will haunt you and you, you said that earlier so do you think that if you made a decision in the past and you failed does that will that have a a huge impact on how you make decisions moving forward? Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. um, it, it's, not, it's not very easy to move on from a decision that's failed. Mm-hmm. For, from a scenario wherein you know you failed and you, you know in yourself that you could have done something better. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to, to move from, from that scenario like from that dark, mm-hmm. dark, dark scenario, back into light. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I would say that definitely failure impacts the way we decide or how we decide. But then going back to what I said earlier, it shouldn't. Uh-huh. Well, you have to give yourself a time to process, mm-hmm. a time to think through mm-hmm. what, what, what did I do wrong. Why did I fail? Mm-hmm. And then you use that um, as a tool when you make the next decision. It may not be it may not be exactly the same scenario where you need to decide on. But if you know that the reason why you fail because you decide based you, you decide in a rush, mm-hmm. you decide based on emotions, then you know that it's not a very good um, driver of decision making. Yeah. Then you don't dwell, or you don't you don't dwell on that next time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there are a lot of things that we can do with failure, but it's not to say that you should 
just forget about it without processing it. Mm. Because that will that will only make it worse. Yeah, like you fail, and then you just brush it aside. Yeah. like you don't. You, you just close one eye and say, "Okay, I'm just gonna forget about that failure." Mm-hmm. Yes, it's good. You have to you have to move on. Mm-hmm. But before moving on, you have to process it, of course, in your own time, in your own pace. I love that. Um, I think it's it's really one of those things that people tend to forget that you know when we make decisions and we had a bad experience making a previous decision and we consider that failure some people would dwell on that they will not mm-hmm. they will process it but they will be stuck in it and mm. it they will allow uh, they will allow failures to be to define um their decisions mm-hmm. and that is limiting i i think personally mm-hmm. because that will i mean if you continue to be stuck in that mindset that you failed and hence you will not take risk in you know making decisions or go out of your comfort zone to make a decision then you won't grow right so mm-hmm. it's a trap it's yes. basically so yeah. as, as you were as you were sharing that mm-hmm. I, yeah i see failure as like it's it's a trap it's it's a you know the the more that you dwell or you hold on to your failure it's like It's like building mm. a wall, like a great wall. Yeah. So, so what do you do with that, right? Mm-mm. So, do you like do you destroy that so that you can move forward, or you, or would you treat it as like as a precious stone <laughs> that you carry with you every day? So it shouldn't be. But um, again, it's not to say that. We have to a hundred percent forget it without processing it. I think finding the balance is is, is key. I I like the fact when you said um, the the secret to making that decision is to strike a balance. You mm-hmm. just touch on reverse engineering. You also highlights the points of you know being on the on the on the flip side of doing um, or making a decision out out of being reactive. So I mm-hmm. I think. When it comes to decision making, based on what we've discussed so far, so there are different factors, right? Different processes that will allow you to make decisions. But I, I think you nailed it when you said that there should be that there should be a balance. You need to strike a balance, mm-hmm. and then those factors that we mentioned, um, you can remember them, but they shouldn't define you when mm-hmm. it comes to making decisions. Now, let's try to niche down a little bit, Dalene. And I think this is a famous illustration that a lot of women can relate to. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I myself, when I saw this, I was like, this is absolutely true, 100%. Because um, the illustration is more of like, picture this, uh, if you're listening to this episode. So, a man and a woman. And for women, um, when we, we, we enter the mall, right? Mm-hmm. And we want to purchase mm-hmm. something. So, let's say from mm-hmm. Zara. Before we w- go straight to Zara and there are other shops in between, we would either go on each shop, whether to look for a similar dress, um, to check mm-hmm. the quality and the price before we really go straight to Zara. So it's like we mm-hmm. go to these different stores and then we get we, we take the whole round and then finally we end up, you know, we end up in Zara. So with that illustration, there are a lot of notions and opinions and t- feedback from other people stating that. Identifying categorizing women as fickle-minded when it comes to making decision, and that became sort of a preconceived notion that mm-hmm. I personally would like to contest because 
<laughs> I mean, like what what you were saying earlier, that's a perfect example that before you make a decision, you evaluate and that takes time and there's a mm. process behind it. So, I mean, when you do that, does that make you fickle minded because you're taking the time or what is your take on that preconceived notion that women are fickle minded? Um, <laughs> purely, purely based on experience and based on other women I know mm. I think in most cases it is true and there's nothing wrong with that at all right yeah um, yeah you know there's we were we were talking about Charles Darwin earlier <laughs> yeah. and there are evolutionary reasons as well mm. um to why people have concluded or there's that preconceived notion that women are fickle-minded because mm. I think the way but um, like physiologically, bi- biologically, women are structured mm-hmm. is different from men. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then it works well because I think, and and I think also that that security plays a huge role as well. What do I mean by that? Yeah. So security. when you when you think about that Abraham Maslow, um, uh, theory. Mm. or principle um security is is one big thing and i think as as women secure we, we we value security a lot and how is that related to being fickle-minded so let's use what you uh what you shared as it as it as an example earlier when buying a dress we don't even if we go to two shops already sometimes we can't decide we have to we have to go to five other places mm-hmm. before making a decision and sometimes it is because we don't feel we don't feel good with but we, we want to make sure that what we're picking is something that would make us feel good mm, it's not because we are just naturally fickle minded <laughs> you know okay um i think i think that security being security is something that's big mm-hmm. um, to us as women mm-hmm. that also plays a role subconsciously mm-hmm. And as I said earlier, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you have time, you know. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. As long as yeah. you have like the whole day uh-huh. to, because at the end of the day, you're you're in charge of your time, right? Yeah. So you're in charge of you're in charge of how you make a decision. decision. Yeah, you're accountable and it for it. Shouldn't, mm-hmm. mm, and then th- this, like, w- what? social psychology is saying or mm-hmm. what the society is dictating mm-hmm. shouldn't really impact how you make a decision if you feel like you need to do 10 steps before making a decision then go for it mm-hmm. and then next time you evaluate if you see that you know i can just make it with an eight step five step process then you try because mm-hmm. there's no to me there's no exact formula, formula. Yeah. um on, on coming up with an effective decision it really depends on the situation. It depends on your experiences. It depends on your values mm. and a whole lot of different factors. Yeah. So yeah, I, I know it's become a, a bigger, um, a bigger explanation. But yeah, to me, I think it's true. But there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Beautiful insights, Nadine. And you know, to to wrap things up, let me just go back to how we started this episode, and we said that. There are about 35,000 decisions mm-hmm. that we do on a daily basis. And, and that really blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, you know, it, maybe I should start counting the number of decisions that I'm making on <laughs> a daily basis. <laughs> we just put around, right? But, you know, just 
just going back quickly to that and um, just going through all of the details and the insights that we've discussed about decision making, what are the key takeaways? Or let's say if we are to, let's say, um, give our listeners some sort of guidelines on how to make sound decisions, Mm -hmm. what will be your sort of recommendation to them? I think that's a great question and I wish <laughs> I have a formula to share that is tested mm. and that I know work really well. Um, but I guess coming from a place of experience and, and coming from Mm-mm. a place of like just looking at the outcomes of decisions that I've made in the past um, or anything of that sort. To me, well, first thing maybe is 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 to say don't be afraid to take risk because you'll mm. be surprised that sometimes taking risk is, is actually the gateway to the outcome that you've always wanted. So mm-hmm. we have to remember that no matter what decision we make or what option we choose, risk mm-hmm. is always associated with it because there's okay. that unknown, right? Um, when you make a mm. decision, when you, go for, when you go for an option, you don't know what's gonna you don't know exactly you may have an idea of how it's gonna pan out but you don't know mm-hmm. exactly what will happen if you choose that so i think not being afraid to take risk will widen your horizon so because you know when we talk about this there there's that risk of what if it doesn't turn out the way i expected but there's also on the other hand that that says what if I get what I really wanted? So uh, would you settle thinking that, well, I'm just not going to do it because I know that there's a chance that it will not happen? Or would you rather be mm-hmm. in a position of, well, I'll just do it so that I won't regret in the future. Like looking back, I know that I've at least tried it. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think for me, to take risk um, is, is, yeah, it could be a gateway to achieving the outcome that, that you want to. And also, like, don't let the perception and expectations of other people take the driver's seat when making a decision. Mm-hmm. Like, you have, to, you have to discover the best path by maneuvering on your own. So I think being confident is so key. When, when making decisions, because at the end of the day, we mentioned this earlier, that we are a product of the decisions that we make and we're about to make. So um, mm-hmm. we have to be responsible. We have to be confident when making decisions um, because, yeah, because if, if you're not the first person who will trust your decision, it, it has to be yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you don't get that, if you don't get into that wavelength, then you wouldn't arrive to to a sound decision. That's very well said, Deline. So you mentioned about having the confidence to make that decision, be willing to take risk. And I also like the fact when you highlighted not being, making a decision not as a factor of someone else's perception and expectations. I think that is really key because sometimes when we are, when we, 
and I personally can attest to this um, and I go to you for mm-hmm. some of the decisions that I had to make but I make sure that the people that I go to if I needed help or advice on a certain decision is someone that I you know that is really um, attentive and invested in, in my life so I, I think when it comes to making decisions, if we will allow other people to influence our decision based on their opinions or perceptions, then mm-hmm. that would really either <laughs> prolong the decision making mm-hmm. or would lead us not to make the decision at mm-hmm. all. So I think those things that you mentioned as some sort of guidelines into making the decision or to level up our art of making mm-hmm. decision is those are really golden nuggets. So yep. any other things that you would like to highlight before we wrap up so um so you know i just remember uh this this story that i i read about abraham uh, Lincoln when he's making critical decisions so during his time when he was a u.s uh when he was the u.s president he would go to this place uh near the white house and he would spend quiet time and time alone um, so if you think about it, so that process that he's doing when making a decision, he's he's shutting down every noise on the background and engaging to mm. deep thinking without rushing. Mm. And if you think about it, the decisions that he's made, it echoes up until now. That's true. So to me, that is, that is a great example of what an effective decision or what a good decision is. It's not a decision that that's that's based on on on, on rushing. It's mm. not influenced by like you need like we just need to make a decision now or things like that. But while I appreciate that there are decisions that's so time bound, but I think generally it's important not to 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 spend time to invest time when 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 making a decision. Or in the process while making a decision. So, thank you, Tarin. That's beautiful. I I think making the time to really turn down, turn off the noise, mm-hmm. and taking the time to really process and I think dissect mm-hmm. <laughs> everything before you actually make the decision is really powerful and key to really making a sound decision. So. Then it's been a wonderful conversation um, having you on the show to talk about this. I know it's a broad topic, but I hope that our listeners picked up something on how they can effectively make a decision. Mm -hmm. And it's not about just, it's not about emotions. It's not about rushing, but also the flip side, it's about making that decision, having the courage and the confidence to make that decision to face the risk and not be influenced by our previous failures so Talin, it's again thank you so much for taking the time to share your wisdom your insights i have a lot of takeaways and i look forward reading your book <laughs> soon or your entry for for that school i'm sure it's going to be a, an amazing um, piece of literature anything else in the pipeline aside from writing that next new york bestseller <laughs> Well, nothing. I think a lot of my time um, outside work is really invested in writing and reading. So, because it goes hand in hand. Right. So, yeah. Well, th- th- thank you for inviting me and thanks everyone for listening. I hope that you're able to get something out of it. 
I'm sure they did because I have a lot of notes <laughs> written down. <laughs> Thank you, Talene, for taking the time to join. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. And until next time, I'll talk to you Bye. soon. Bye. If you think this episode will help anyone, go ahead and pass it on by creating a screenshot or by sending the link of the podcast. And if you do post it, please do tag me by using the hashtag Convos with Jay. And I will do appreciate sincerely if you'll be kind enough to leave a review on the Apple podcast. Let me know what you think of the shows, what you think about our guests, uh, the takeaways, and how we can improve the segment. I'll be very interested to learn more about what you think and how we can improve. Okay.